the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this edition of Colorado Issues, a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado. I'm Tom Moeller, and this is Colorado Issues, and March is Myeloma Action Month. And uh, my guest today to speak about uh, myeloma and tell you what this is is Dr. Jeff Mattis. First of all, I want to welcome you to the program. Thank you very much, Tom. It's a real honor to be here. Um, Dr. Mattis specializes in the treatment of blood cancers such as multiple myeloma, uh, uh, lymphoma, and leukemia, as well as in the field of blood and marrow transplantation. He's the medical director for the Colorado Blood Cancer Institute at Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center, associate clinical professor of medicine at the University of Colorado Health Sciences Center on the board of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and lead investigator in clinical trials in the areas of multiple myeloma. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so uh, you told me just before we came on the air that you are especially passionate in the area of uh, multiple myeloma. Absolutely, Tom. Um, myeloma is a, a cancer that over my career uh, I've seen uh, transform from at least a physician perspective of a lot of nihilism and pessimism about how we did to one of enthusiasm for all the progress that we've made. And as you, as you know, March is Myeloma Action Month, and I'm uh, very eager to, to share as much as we can with our listeners about multiple myeloma. Uh, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, and I'm sure as we talk about what it is and what the uh, what the research is doing and what the status of the fight is, but uh, the the question that comes to my mind right out of the box, because it's Myeloma Action Month, is what kind of action can should be done for for myeloma. That, that's a great question. I think when, when I think about action, I think about a lot of things. One is information. Learn as much learn as much as we can about what myeloma is, how we uh, detect it, whom it might affect, uh, that kind of thing. I'm going to advocacy. There's so much that can be done for all cancers, and including myeloma. And, and by, by what can be done, I mean um, there are great patient support groups and networks uh, that we should talk about. Uh, there's uh, um, access to clinical trials. Uh, there's all kinds of events in our community uh, where patients and families can learn as much as they can about myeloma. And I think this is just a cancer that's relatively uncommon, Tom. It's only 1% of all cancers. And so just getting the word out and letting people know what it is is really important. We, we don't have that many high-profile high multiple myeloma patients out there, but we have one with whom a lot of people are familiar, and that, of course, is Tom Brokaw. Mm. And so uh, Mr. Brokaw has done a lot for myeloma advocacy in our country and actually internationally. And so that, those are just some examples. You know, as you mentioned, Tom Brokaw, as tragic as a disease is when it comes along, uh, 
when it uh, when a prominent person like Tom Brokaw uh, contracts it, uh, it uh, the the silver lining, if you can use that uh, term, is it takes on a uh, a higher level of of interest and uh, knowledge uh, than would be the case if there was not such a prominent person who was battling that. I agree, Tom. For years, I used to talk about Geraldine Ferraro, and the formal the former vice presidential candidate battled for many, many, many years with Milam and eventually died. I think just a few years ago, and then around Colorado here, Don Baylor, the former manager of the Rockies, is a Milam a survivor as well. So. Um, it, it's nice when uh, we have people who uh, very willingly and enthusiastically uh, uh, make it, you know, let the let, let, uh, community know that they have this diagnosis and this disease and, uh, and then increase our advocacy. Now, myeloma is a blood disease, so is it related to leukemia, which is far more well-known? Yeah, so myeloma is, is what we term a blood cancer, Tom. And by a blood cancer, we mean a cancer that originates in blood, bone marrow, or what we call lymph tissue. And the major blood cancers that we talk about are uh, leukemia, and there are different kinds of leukemia, such as, such as acute or chronic leukemia, lymphoma, and there are two main categories of lymphoma, non-Hodgkin and Hodgkin lymphoma, and then multiple myeloma. And multiple myeloma is a cancer of one of our immune cells called the B lymphocyte and plasma cells. And so we all have plasma cells in our body. They're part of our immune factory that makes uh, defense proteins called antibodies. We all have these antibodies in our system. And they're designed to remember, recall, and then fight infections over the course of our lifetime. In myeloma, for some reason, these plasma cells, they mutate, they morph, and they turn cancerous. And then they, they no longer follow the rules and do what normal plasma cells are supposed to do. So myeloma is, t- is technically a cancer of the uh, of a cell called the plasma cell that normally is made in and resides in our bone marrow. Now you're the lead investigator in clinical trials in the areas of multi uh, multiple myeloma. Uh, describe for us uh, the scope of your work personally. Sure. So in, in Colorado, we're actually fortunate, Tom, to have a lot of cancer programs who are very interested in advancing the field of myeloma, not just here at the Colorado Blood Cancer Institute at Presbyterian St. Luke's, but we have colleagues, for example, at Rocky Mountain Cancer Centers, at the University of Colorado, at Kaiser Permanente, and we're fortunate in Colorado to have a lot of people dedicated to uh, caring for people with myeloma. Here at Colorado Blood Cancer Institute, uh, our, our, we have a, a myeloma program that, that's solely focused on the cure and treatment of patients with myeloma. And so I became, uh, I've been a specialist in blood cancer and, and stem cell transplantation since 1990. But in the late 90s, I really took a strong interest in multiple myeloma. And we've developed the myeloma program here at CBCI. So one of our goals here is to make sure that we have um, access to what we call cutting edge clinical trials for our patients with myeloma, no matter at what stage of the disease they may find themselves. And, and we're, we're fortunate to have a partner called the Sarah Cannon Blood Cancer Network uh, to, uh, with, with whom we work and with, with whom we're very tightly aligned uh, for uh, developing and implementing these clinical trials and making them available to uh, patients in the Rocky Mountain region. And over the course of my involvement with myeloma, there's truly been a revolution in our care of these patients. Uh, again, 
back in 1981 when I entered medical school and 85 when I graduated, if 100 people were diagnosed with myelomatom, by 30 months, half of them would have died. And, and each five or 10 years, uh, people very carefully look at the survival statistics for people with myeloma, and every time we look at it, it's getting better and better and better. And, this, and this, these advances really took off right around the year 2000. And we call this the era of novel treatments or new drugs. And literally, you, you turn around and another drug and another, another drug is being approved for multiple myeloma patients. And this occurs because of clinical trials and research in the field. And so at CBCI, we are really passionate about uh, pushing the envelope forward with respect to clinical trials in myeloma. As you're talking about... Um you know, the survival rate. I got thinking again about Don Baylor. He has survived how long now? I, I can't tell you. He's, probably, he's survived myeloma longer than any of his managerial positions. I know that for sure. <laughs> Boy, that's uh, true. I, I, I couldn't tell you the exact number of years, Tom. And that's uh, coming from a Rockies fan, I know, right? <laughs> Very much, yeah. yeah. I know you're a Rockies fan. Uh, and, and, and yet uh, the survival rate still is is under 50% as, as I understand it. Is that correct? I, I, well, it depends how you look at it, Tom. Now, one thing about myeloma that is so tricky is that myeloma is actually many different diseases. And so I often use the term multiple myelomas as in plural hmm. to describe the disease because the disease really behaves differently in, in every individual. And there are some forms of myeloma that we call standard risk, for example, where with modern therapies, we expect people to live eight or ten years or longer. Yet there are other kinds that are poor risk or alternately termed, termed high risk where our survival rates aren't nearly as good. And so when you see that below 50% number, that's a, in my mind, that's a, almost an antiquated number because when we look at our survival statistics more real time, they're definitely improving. But there's absolutely room for improvement and, um, and fortunately, Again, every time that we analyze survival data from myeloma, every single time, it's better. Now, in clinical trials and your work as a lead investigator, what is that? Does that involve uh, using uh, various experimental medicines and uh, uh, having volunteers? Uh, uh, how, do, how does that all work in terms of sure. your investigation? So. so just to backtrack a little bit, so when a physician is meeting a patient with myeloma, what goes through our mind is, okay, what are all the different treatment options that I have today that I can offer to my patient? And there may there are many good clinical, there are many good treatment options that are what we call standard treatments. These are treatments that are approved by the Food and Drug Administration. They've been validated in large research trials, and they're widely recognized across our country be very standard treatments. That's always one option uh, for treating our patients. But in myeloma, the field moves so quickly that by the time uh, a certain treatment regimen might be FDA approved, uh, it's possible that we're already moving on to try to improve it yet further. And, and that's where access to clinical trials gives patients the option of, of having innovative therapies. Now, clinical trials sometimes gives people a little bit of discomfort because there's this thought, well, am I going to be a guinea pig? Is, is my doctor experimenting on me and so forth? And it's important that when you talk about clinical trials to realize that there are many types of clinical trials. And in myeloma, the great majority of clinical trials that we have 
are, tr- are trials where we have standard accepted effective treatments, and then we're altering them a little bit to see if we can improve them further. And so it's not that a patient is going to get uh, exposed to a treatment that we think might be uh, uh, inferior or not very effective. The nature of these trials is that they have to uh, undergo in, uh, intense scrutiny before we can um, implement them. And part of that scrutiny uh, has to be that there has to be a reasonable expectation that they're going to benefit, that there has to be you know, some, some really good thought that they're going to improve. Sure. That's the great majority of our clinical trials uh, we do with that. Now, there are, there are clinical trials, Tom, that we call earlier phase trials. For example, you'll hear the, fa- the, the phrase phase one. Because there are some people with cancer in, in myeloma, including myeloma, where all of our normal, normally known effective therapies have been exhausted. And you're sitting face-to-face with the patient who's in a tough situation. You're saying, look, we've been through many, many, many treatments, and yet we still have trouble with myeloma here. What can we do? And very often that setting will turn to earlier phase clinical trials where we're really, we really are experimenting to see if some of these medicines about which we don't know a whole lot work in myeloma, but that's the minority of our myeloma clinical trials. I will say, and I often say this to my patients, Tom, that when, uh, when we look at today and say, okay, what, what, how, how do we learn about these standard treatments that we're using in myeloma? Well, the way we learned about them is that we studied them in clinical trials. And again, I'll just give you an example. There's a very common uh, uh, cocktail of three chemotherapy drugs, which we use to treat people with myeloma, it's been established now for several years, and it's, a, it's, it's great therapy. But already right now, we're moving on in clinical trials to trying to augment that even further and make it more effective. So trials work for some people, not for others, but we're fortunate in the Rocky Mountain region that almost all patients who are seeing their physicians, no matter where they see them, do have access to clinical trials. Is, is there an increase in myeloma uh, as the years progress to our time or is there how, how has it transformed or or come to our time sure tom so so in in so myeloma when people say hey how do i you know how did i get myeloma the most common thing that i tell patients is you got it through bad luck and that's generally true and i'll use examples for example i'll, I'll say you know if i wanted to give uh, Vladimir Putin myeloma. I, I couldn't do it. I don't know a way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so myeloma mostly occurs through bad luck. Rarely it runs through families. And so it just sort of uh, um, uh, visits us uh, by, by chance for the most part. Now, myeloma is getting a little bit more common. And the reason it's getting a little bit more common is because uh, we're living longer. And in general, the longer that, the, that we survive as a population, the more, more opportunity we have to, to develop any cancer, myeloma included. So myeloma, again, is, is not a real common cancer nationwide. It's 1% of all cancers. Every year we diagnose between 25 and 30,000 cases. But if you talk to any cancer doctor in the community and say, do you think you're seeing more multiple myeloma patients in your practice? To the one, they're all going to say yes. And the, and the real answer is they're probably seeing a few more so what's happening in our practices is that our patients are surviving so much longer that we all think that our practices are, are, are bursting with myeloma patients, and it's mostly because they're, they're sticking around, mm. and that's a good thing. But I, I, will, I want to say something about how myeloma develops, Tom, if I can. Yes. And that is that myeloma develops in stages. And before myeloma, 
affects people and causes symptoms and makes them ill and 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 becomes uh, and acts cancerous. It, there there are phases of it. There's like a pre-phase that that it goes through. A couple of these where it starts off as a as a very small problem, but not cancer. And then over years, it can morph or mutate and turn into cancer. So I think one of the big interests in the myeloma field is what can we do to diagnose these patients at earlier stages before it turns cancerous? And if we can diagnose them there, is there any reason or any way in which we can intervene to keep it from becoming you know, a nasty cancer? And so uh, the phases that it goes through, the first one is called MGUS, Tom, or MGUS, we call it. The next phase is called smoldering, and after that it's called active or symptomatic myeloma. So one of the real areas of intense research in the myeloma field is what can we do for these patients who are identified as having the precursor diseases like MGUS or smoldering to keep them from going on to symptomatic myeloma. And here at at CBCI, uh, we have... Uh, clinical trials uh, uh, addressing these very questions. So what I'm gleaning from you is that the clinical trials you're doing uh, are not just uh, uh, how to uh, how to cure the disease once had. Part of the a major part of the clinical trials are identifying the stages and uh, and how to deal with the stages uh, before it becomes a full on multiple myeloma. Yeah, and, and we're doing a little bit that of that here. In Colorado, but nationwide, there are a few centers in particular who, who are extremely interested in understanding how these so-called precursor myeloma states turn into myeloma. And, and we uh, collaborate with uh, one of these large centers uh, that's doing this, and they're at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. What are the symptoms about the precursor stages as well as uh, a full-on myeloma? How does a person sure. suspect? Sure. So... So full-on myeloma, uh, again, if we recall, uh, it, can, it can affect patients so diversely that it really is almost different from one patient to the other, but we can generalize a little bit, Tom. So myeloma is the cancer of these plasma cells. It grows inside the bone marrow, and the ways that it might uh, affect a patient are as follows. It's very common for the myeloma to produce fatigue, which is related to anemia or a decrease in the production of red blood cells. It also can affect the integrity of our skeleton, of our bones. And so, uh, so one of the more devastating ways in which people find out they have myeloma is they'll suffer a fracture of a bone. And it's a fracture that, was, that, that occurs for seemingly completely innocuous or, 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 or not very um, uh, credible reasons. For example, you can step off a curb and, and fracture the large bone in your leg known as the femur bone. Or you can twist off uh, a, a, the lid of a jar and fracture an arm bone. And so unfortunately, these, these fractures occur too often, and they occur pretty frequently in the back. So a very common way for patients to get diagnosed with myeloma is to complain of unrelenting back pain uh, that, that, that usually lasts for months. And so myeloma can do some other things as well. It can affect the kidney function. So patients might, may go to their doctor and say, I'm not feeling well, and, and the doctor does a blood test or a urine test and, and figures out that, hey, your, your kidneys aren't entirely healthy that can be a sign of myeloma. And so myeloma can present very differently in different individuals. Now, by definition, for the precursor states, MGUS and smoldering myeloma, they produce absolutely no symptoms whatsoever. And these diagnoses are stumbled on. I call them incidentalomas, where the patient goes to see their physician or have their blood drawn for some 
entirely different reason and then an astute uh, primary care physician normally will look at the blood, the blood picture, and say, hmm, there's something funny here with the blood picture. I wonder if this patient could have a disease like multiple myeloma. And they'll, they'll do some further testing and confirm that they have one of the precursor states. So that's another way that people can get, that get diagnosed with myeloma or these precursor states, Tom. And that's and I call them. I call them, I see you're minding your own business and someone gives you a diagnosis. <laughs> and and that certainly uh, indicates why it's so important to have uh, a regular checkup and uh, a blood test uh, uh, as part of your regular annual checkup. I guess I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a very good point, Tom. And, and there's really no, no specific myeloma testing that, with which we screen the general population. It just doesn't appear to make sense, at least these days. Uh, and so what it is, if you're having general blood work done, there are some clues that, that, that smart uh, primary care physicians uh, can, can tune into that will give them an idea whether or not they have these diseases. But I think uh, going and getting checked up with some regularity is, of course, a really good idea. I think in the future, and this is not the immediate future, but the long-term future, I think we'll be able to, to take blood samples on individuals and check them for early stages of a number of cancers, including myeloma. And so that, that day is definitely going to come, uh, hopefully in my lifetime, Tom, and uh, where we can do that. And that will be a really important step forward. Because I really do think that the key in myeloma, uh, in terms of trying to eventually cure it, because it's, it's extraordinarily difficult to, to try and cure, uh, the key is going to be to identify these early states and then come up with effective ways of, of getting rid of it. I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Mattis, who is a lead investigator in clinical trials in the areas of multiple myeloma, and he's with the Colorado Blood Cancer Institute at Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center here in the Denver area. We're lucky in the myeloma world that we have a lot of really active, effective, and passionate advocacy groups. I'll give you the example of these, and they're active nationally, internationally, and really active locally here in Colorado. One of these is called the International Multiple Myeloma Foundation, International Myeloma Foundation. The website is www.myeloma, M-Y-E-L-O-M-A dot org. And the, the IMF, or International Myeloma Foundation, has all kinds of amazing information on its website. Uh, and information for patients, information for physicians, links to clinical trials, everything. Uh, the IMF, every spring, puts on a conference called the Regional Community Workshop here in the Denver area which is free to patients and families. This year's is May 13th, uh, and, and, and it's a whole day devoted uh, to myeloma information. And so that's just a great advocacy. Uh, and then the, another large advocacy group is called the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation, MMRF.org. And another great group, similar, great information, supporting of research, links to clinical trials, you know, that kind of thing. And, and they often put local conferences on for patients and families as well. And then you know, here in Colorado, we have a very active chapter, the Rocky Mountain chapter of our local Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And I always tell my patients with myeloma, hey, you, 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 you were left off the name because you can't, eat, can't keep adding uh, names of blood cancers to the LLS, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, but there's a lot of great information there. And I want to put in a plug, if I may, for an, for an April 8th blood cancer conference here in the Denver area offered by the Leukemia Lymphoma Society lls.org, which is, again, free to patients and families, and there'll be a lot of information there about myeloma as well. And so we're fortunate to have so much information, and it's not just information for patients and families, but for 
interested healthcare professionals, there's very high-level information that is available there as well. If you don't mind, in our uh, closing minutes, can you give us all of those websites again in the April and the May dates uh, so that we can have people who uh, can write those down? Absolutely. So for the International Myeloma Foundation, that's www.myeloma.org. For the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation, that's www.themrf.org. And for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, that's www.lls.org. And our local conferences, April 8th is Leukemia Lymphoma Society Blood Cancer Conference. It's a great, great thing for blood cancer patients and families. And May 13th is the International Myeloma Foundation's Regional Community Workshop. These are free events, and patients should really avail themselves to coming to this because they really are, again, spectacular opportunities for patients and families to learn as much as they can about multiple myeloma. Well, I certainly appreciate your uh, talking to us today, and uh, again, just these are things that I know nothing about, and I trip across them uh, when people like you and your publicist gets in contact with me, and it's so important for us to get the, the word out, and I appreciate all the information, and um, and just God bless you and your work, Dr. Mattis. Tom, I think it's uh, it's it's a true honor and privilege to be able to do what, what we do uh, for a living, and we, we, we truly love it. And thanks for helping us get the word out about this disease. And I just want to encourage all the patients out there who, who may know somebody with myeloma or who have myeloma to avail themselves to all the great resources that are available in our great state and region. Been speaking with Dr. Jeff Mattis. Uh, my name is Tom Muller. This is Colorado Issues.